Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu salam ala rasulillah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. You're listening to Newcastle Fast FM. This is the Nakabi Diary Show. Today, alhamdulillah, we have a special guest with us, Sister Aisha Murray, also known as the Scottish Revert Teacher. So, Sister, um, Today, we're, we wanted to, we want to actually want to talk about um, being a rebirth because Hamza, we're both rebirths to Islam. So I'll let um, Sister Aisha, inshallah, introduce herself for the, um, the listeners and the viewers, inshallah. And um, yeah, you want to give an introduction, inshallah? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Like you said, my name is Aisha, also known as a Scottish rebirth teacher. Um, I do content online for mainly YouTube, but I have done some stuff for BBC The Social that tries to break the misconceptions of Muslims and Islam. And yeah, I'm a mum of four, well, a qualified teacher, <laughs> not not working at the moment, alhamdulillah, but yeah. so I have been Muslim, alhamdulillah, for 16 years now, and um, I was with um, a few non-Muslim friends like myself who I was pretty much raised with and we had some non-practicing Muslim friends and they had family visiting them and long story short we went, wanted to go out one night and we invited them and they refused because the place that we would have been going wasn't really halal so they refused on that basis and we were having such a good time so we were kind of caught off guard by their refusal um, and we asked them why and they're like oh because we are practicing Muslims and then that led us to not going out we cancelled and we ended up asking them a lot of questions about Islam and um, alhamdulillah it all kind of started from there. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So, um, so what, do you what, think? what do you think are some of the challenges like your main challenge that challenges that you would say as a reader that you found since, since being a Muslim? I think my personal biggest challenge was uh, the kind of mental journey you go on, like changing your reflexes, changing your your perspective on things. I think that is quite a big and probably underrated journey, you know, because you're going through a lot of um new you're getting gaining a lot of new information and you've just discovered god which is huge and you're trying to then discover his religion and you have been raised well me personally i was raised uh, in a way that often kind of contradicted what god's way was so sometimes i had to fight and our feelings and things like you know my conditioning from how i was raised and i think that is extremely challenging and um, but alhamdulillah you know it, it does get better 
uh, the more um, that as time goes on, but it takes a lot of hard work and dedication and you know consideration and support as well. Completely that. Sorry, sister. Um, I think we're having some technical issues. Is it um, me? If I don't know if if you've got two recordings going on, could you turn the volume down on one of them and just listen to me from just the other one? Yep, no, I, I think some people have been experiencing some echo. Okay, I definitely um, have it down. So I can't hear anything from the other okay, guys. Cool. Okay, Charlotte, I hope it's okay now. But yeah, because I've had to do something. I don't know if the people are still experiencing the echo or not. Just let us know, Inshallah. Um, okay, so alhamdulillah. So, um, Definitely, I would agree with a lot of the things that you said as well. I think it's the personal kind of struggles, yeah. changing the way that you think about certain things yeah. as well. And like, I think one of the big differences as well, like for me personally, when I became a Muslim, a lot of my friends were actually male. So, and obviously like mm. in Islam, you know, you're not supposed to be like mixed with men and things like that. So it's like, you kind of have to, it is a complete way of thinking. Like you have to like change like yeah. your common behaviors things that you normally do and become it makes you become more conscious of yourself as well I yeah think. and especially with regards to like the hijab and everything yeah because you start to think a little bit more. and i remember like you know um when i first started wearing like the scarf and everything um it was weird because you know i was still mixing you know with male friends and but I was wearing a headscarf and obviously the way they would react was kind of like, oh, so this is your new look now kind of thing. And, you know, I, I think you, I never thought about kind of the male-female relationship kind of dynamic before becoming Muslim as much. Yeah. You know, you think that, yeah, you can have male friends, but then like when they did become Muslim, it was just like, they started saying things which made me think, well, actually, if we're just friends, you should be saying that, you know? So it kind of made me realise, well, actually, yeah, like, so it's, it was kind of easy to kind of end those friendships in that sense. Yeah. Um, because I had to tell them, well, you know, this is my new way of living now, basically, and I can't be doing, like, you know, having male friends and stuff like that. So it made it easier. Yeah. Um, and as well, sometimes um, another another challenge that I, I found in the beginning as well, you know, when you when you do become Muslim, especially with a female, I don't know if you've had this experience, but... Um, when you tell like friends or family, they think automatically it must be because like you've got like a Muslim boyfriend or something like that. <laughs> and that isn't necessarily always the case. I know some people come to Islam like that, but yeah, it's yeah. Not, you know, it's not like it's not the only reason why somebody would want to be a Muslim. Well, that's um, the thing. I actually do some spoken words on my channel is is not is very pathetic. <laughs> it's not great. But um there is one that I did that um try to remember it's one of the first ones I ever did um but it was pretty much uh, addressing this topic like did you revert for yourself that, that was the name did you revert for yourself and in the beginning I kind of went through a series of excuses that non-Muslims make when you tell them that you become a Muslim so it's you know did you convert for a man you know are you lonely are you um 
Oh, so many. I'm trying to think now, but it's so funny that you said that because it is. They, they always yeah, try to make an excuse for what, like, oh, she must be really lonely or she's looking for attention and she's she's doing it for a man. She's not doing it for herself because it seems like such a huge extreme sometimes step yeah. to others. And when they don't know they really genuinely don't know so their logic is trying to just grasp at anything that they can think of you know which is it's a shame because i'm like no i'm doing it because it's awesome you just need to know like come look see you know i I think i think from that perspective as well i think for me personally that made it really hard for me to like give that with my family because like coming from a christian background you know they like even though i told them that wasn't the case they just wouldn't believe me and i just mm. thought like why don't you believe me you know, do you know what i mean so yeah. that was, i found that quite difficult because and i don't think just generally in the media as well like the way that islam is portrayed is portrayed it's almost portrayed as if it's a religion just for men almost do you know what i mean mm. like foreign men mm. especially yeah so like, women are saying like that girls being groomed by like you know mm. Muslims and, like men and things like that so and obviously even with relating to the hijab and the naqab especially people say oh well you know these men are being they're forcing the women to cover up and things like that so there's you know there's a lot of kind of um you know kind of rhetoric that is trying to say that oh like it's you know it's, it's, everything has to be to do with the man it can't be just because you want to worship Allah yeah. subhanahu are men worth it no offense men but are you worth like a whole change like no we do this exactly definitely we do not, this because you know, we are dedicated to God well. You know, definitely not. And even even if um, you know, if a if a woman happens to be involved with a man who's Muslim, doesn't mean you have to even change religion as long as she's Christian as well. Like, so that's yeah. another thing. Like even when you tell people that, they still seem to don't really accept because they seem to think that's something like this. And I remember um, when I did eventually like find somebody and want to get married. My mum was like, oh, but what if you need to get divorced? Like, you can't get divorced in that mm, religion. And I, yeah. was, I just said to her, really? Yeah. <laughs> Miskeen. Like, no, you're okay. Like, it's even in the Quran, you're allowed to get divorced. Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I was like, it's not uh-huh. like Christianity. But she's like, yeah, but yeah. Like, people don't get divorced, you know, when they're Muslims. Like, so she made it sound like, oh, no, like, you know, you could be, like, putting your life at risk. Yeah. Kind of thing. But I said, well, oh, no. you don't get married with the intention of getting divorced anyway. Well, you know, exactly. So like, exactly. It's a commitment. Yeah. SubhanAllah. Yeah, <laughs> So, um, culturally, um, we, we've talked, talked a little bit about this, but um, I want to talk a little bit more about friends. How do, how do you feel, like, um, how was your experience with your friends and that kind of changing? Like, was it a case where do you still have the same friends now? Um, do you have friends who become Muslim as well? Maybe was you able to give them dawah? And, um, you know, what about friends that you had been close with before? Do you still have some kind of contact with them or has it like changed since you've become Muslim? Um, actually, growing up, like I said, when I was mentioning my story, I had a group of six friends and we were extremely close and we were all non-Muslim. And then we had kind of friends elsewhere. Um, so that group of six friends, um, four of us are Muslim now, two are not. Uh, and we're all, still, we're all still in contact. One of them, anyone who's, if anyone's watched my story, like I always talk about uh, one 
of those friends in particular and that's because we went through the journey together like we we stayed home that night together we questioned she actually done most of the questioning you know i did a lot of listening but i did ask some questions but she, you know it was um it was really interesting actually because she was really aggressive about it she was <laughs> she really wanted to understand um, and take advantage of the opportunity that she was presented with. But actually, one of those friends was Muslim before us. The thing is, though, is she wasn't really supported and therefore didn't feel comfortable enough to, you know, share her journey with us yet. She was still very, you know, early on. She hadn't learned Salah or anything like that yet. She knew a lot of stuff, you know, she knew a lot of uh, things about Islam in general, but not about the practice of Islam, if that makes sense. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. So she wasn't in a position uh, of comfort yet to kind of share that with us. And we, us two, kind of found Islam through another means. Uh, and then we all just kind of came together and then maybe a year and a half later, another one of us converted. Yeah, and we've been Muslim ever since. I'm just going to read a few of the comments here before I get too behind. So a lot of people saying, Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum, Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Newcastle Fast FM, the Carbon Diary Sister Show. Um, sister, is, I think if that's. He says, um, love your channels, really beneficial, mashallah, alhamdulillah, a lot of And Atif says, we but Muslims are so special with their amazing stories, alhamdulillah, barakallah, Uh Else, and somebody says, adore Sister Ash's accent, me too, I love, I love that accent, actually. Alhamdulillah, I really love it. Razina says that, and alhamdulillah, uh, And then somebody else said, yeah, not going to lie, I... I want a thick Scottish accent in Jenna. <laughs> oh, Mashallah. Mashallah, that's I mean, I, I'm just happy people Mashallah. can understand me. It was something I was always very self-conscious about going online. Not because I'm insecure about my accent, but it is a bit. It's not just the Scottish accent; it's a bit rugged as well. So I do get a lot of uh, comments about it, but Alhamdulillah, majority of them are positive. So I'm really grateful for them. And as well, Rakeet also says, Aisha's poetry skills are on another level, mashallah. And I have to definitely agree with that. Mashallah, this is I don't consider myself somebody I'm not like so much into poetry, but like mm. there are like, you know, when I heard your poetry, I really like it because it's it's just so natural. You know, I think sometimes oh, when people have spoken like me personally, I feel like they almost put on some kind of maybe you try to make some kind of voice but you, mm. it's just in your own voice so it seems very well that's how it comes out like, uh, that's what I, it's easy for me to listen to so i find it very nice oh, thank you so much and what you say as well alhamdulillah you managed to convey you know your message very clear and in very short and um, you know clear words oh, thank you so we touched on um also we talked about friends a little bit and i just wanted to ask you about so your friends that became muslim were they also scottish yeah all of them yeah okay so yeah. can you like tell us a little bit like about being a scottish muslim basically i know you do talk about that on your channel and you're mashallah proud scottish lady so thank you that. like this is something that i think is very important because um 
I think sometimes um, even I think I watched um, a clip a clip with them um, brother Jordan M the other day actually, and he was talking about um, somebody. I think they asked him if he's going to make hijra, and he said, "Well, you know, England is, is his country. He's English. You know, why? Yeah. There's no reason why, you know, if you're English or Scottish or you know whatever country you're from, yeah. whatever you identify is, you, you shouldn't feel that, you know, you need to um, become another culture. And I think yeah. sometimes when we become Muslims. Um, and and I see this sometimes with sisters who get married quite early. Sometimes it can happen, like they get a little bit overtaken. If they've married somebody who's from a different culture, it's almost like that culture can get pushed onto them, um, yeah. which I think, you know, something to like, for a lot of sisters try to be aware of, you know, and I always try to advise new Muslim sisters, especially when they do get married, just remember that Islam is not a particular culture. Islam has is a religion, it has is a way of life, it has its yeah. own culture. Yeah. And it, it, it doesn't mean you have to be no Pakistani yeah. or African or whatever, you, you know, whatever culture you have, it's okay. You yeah. just edit it, the, like anything that's, you know, not permissible, you just edit those bits out. So yeah. minus pork, minus, you know, yeah. crosses, you know, just little small things. Whiskey, yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. I'm a very big advocate of embracing who you are whether that's your race, whether that's the good aspects of your culture, like you said, your country, your, you know, hijab. I I think it's so important that we always kind of go back to why we're here and and why we're calling ourselves Muslims. Like that is the thing that unites us and it is an absolute blessing, you know, and everything else is just extra. You know, I was watching uh, one of Jordan M's uh, lives the other day and he kind of mentioned about what he wanted to do in the future. And that's kind of the thing that we can make Hydra. I have no problem with going to some, there was, that was actually my intention maybe about seven, eight years ago was to make Hydra. I wanted to move to Saudi. Um, but at the same time, I feel an overwhelming duty to kind of be here and be as much as a, much of a positive representative as I can uh, here because whether I'm a kid or not, there's still a Muslim community in the UK and there's still a lot of, you know, issues in relation to, you know, kind of, um, yeah, Islamophobia and, you know, um, kind of losing my train of thought there, but, you know, just kind of um, the bridging between communities, it needs help and it needs active members of the community and I think over the last couple of years I've realised how important that is and how much I want to be a part of that so um, we can make Hydra but at the same time we have a duty here like we want to be a part of what makes our communities better here so that's that's why we're here and that's why we're staying. Definitely that's definitely you became Muslim here you know you're giving Dawah as part of your being part of your community as well you're active. Yeah Um, and there's nothing Sorry, I, I was just going to say, time. I was just going to say, sorry, that there's nothing wrong with loving your country, you know, but there's nothing, exactly. nothing wrong with loving your people, so. Exactly, and the tabs Khan says, always stay yourself and follow Allah, don't follow people or cultures, follow the greatest man, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Exactly, and that's, that's basically what we're all supposed to be doing, and I think if we did that more and focus less on our differences, like, yeah. you know, it make a 
things a lot easier you know because yeah. i think sometimes we just get so caught up in culture and what might be culturally acceptable and, and i remember like there was um and like, when my child like i've got a boy and um, when he was smaller um i used to cut his hair sometimes okay um he's got like you know very curly kind of afro hair so i wanted to grow his hair a little bit and put it this is something in my culture i remember when we were kids my mum did that with my brother mm. and i wanted to do the same thing with him too and i remember i've got a friend and you know she's also from an african background but she was like oh you know that's for girls and we shouldn't do that because for girls and i showed her mm. well actually proper parents tell us he also used to braid his hair sometimes he used to have four okay? braids in his hair so, yeah exactly he, he used to braid his hair sometimes and it's like because it wasn't part of her culture even though I showed her this hadith to show that this proof program did it, so I them, she still like had an issue. Like it's like you know, I, I, it's like her. It's like I still shouldn't be doing it. Mm. And it just goes to show, like sometimes you know, I, and I wasn't doing it in the sense. As I said it wasn't nothing to do with. Oh, I was trying to do it because I was thinking it's going to give them more. Because there's also um, some people think that by braiding their hair, it's the sooner that you would get rewarded for, but not really. It's just something, yeah. you know, that's small value. Sometimes it's beneficial for the hair. I have kids who have afro hair as well. So, like, sometimes it's beneficial mm. for the hair as well. Like, if you're, you know, oiling it and then braiding it, it kind of helps exactly. the, the hair exactly. take the oil because, in. So. And, and it's just something, for me, my culture being African-Caribbean, it's something normal for us, you know. Exactly. Especially before I became Muslim, I used to do a lot of braiding for, like, you know, men, women. Yeah. So it's something common in my culture that I'm, you know, accustomed to doing. So and not know, something feminine either. Yeah, it's not something feminine yeah, either. That. So yeah, exactly. Alhamdulillah. So, but yeah, little, little things like that. Um, people, people sometimes maybe look at certain things in people's culture, and because it's not part of their so-called Muslim culture, they perceive it as being negative or yeah. something that it shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. But if there's no basis for it in Islam, then. You well, know, that's the thing. I think that's one of the struggles as a new Muslim as well, because I don't know about you, but my experience very early on was that you must draw all cultural aspects of your life and you must, you know, uh, find a new culture because you can't take ours because we are us and you can't be us and you can't take theirs because they are them and you can't take theirs you need to find something new that we approve that is not your own because yours is from a non-muslim background and you're like you know if we go back to the time of the prophet they also came from a non-muslim background did they drop everything no they, like you said, took the good and left the, the not good, you know, according to Allah's exactly. standards. And, and this is something that Allah says in the Quran, he made us of different tribes and, you know, different colours so that we can get to know each other because that's what makes life exactly. quite interesting. It's not that, yeah. it's not in a sense of looking down. So even when you mentioned before about being proud of the country and being proud of where you're from, it's yeah. not in the sense that you think that you're better or your place is better than somebody yeah. else because they're not from there. It's just being happy with Allah, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, and that's it. It's not it's not in the sense that you put that above everything else because Islam comes first and it should of course come first. Yeah. Okay, so I wanna ask you a really, really serious question. Mm. Oh, no. I want you I want to ask you about haggis. You're going to expose me. Yeah, what about haggis with you? <laughs> I know the details. Do you, do you get halal haggis? Because 
and this is something that I tried when I was a child and I really really liked it oh. and as a child I didn't know I didn't know exactly what haggis was and growing up actually like my like growing up our family we never ate food because uh, you know my Christians followed you know Christianity but yeah. my parents followed Christianity but it was like you know they said sort of, they, they stayed away from food and stuff we had quite a you know hamper we ate halal food and stuff like that yeah but um I remember one time I tried haggis at school okay <laughs> and my parents always warned me not to like eat anything unless I knew what it was but I I don't know how I tried this haggis and I since that time I really really liked it okay but then I kind of didn't tell my parents because I wasn't sure if I'd eaten pork or not yeah <laughs> so yeah I didn't want to get trouble. so I didn't tell them and since then I think like um looking into like haggis and stuff like that, I realized it wasn't so do you get halal haggis um, so I can see some comments like, what is haggis? So haggis is Scotland's yeah. national meal. And it's, um, pretty, it's pretty much a sheet's insides, different organs minced up with other things like um, oats and stuff. And it's shoved into like a kind of bag of skin and then cooked. Um, so that's haggis and that's our national meal. Um, you can get halal haggis, like that's one thing I really have to give the Mus the Scottish Muslim community credit for. Like, it, it's not the one thing, but for me it's a really big one. Um, and that is the, the fact that everything that um, I loved as a child eating, like all this type of breakfast things, like um, there's something we call square sausage that is not like a normal sausage, it's very different. And we have it for breakfast and it's like known across the board in Scotland. And um, when I first converted, they didn't have it in halal. And I was gutted, like I was absolutely oh. gutted because I loved it. Um, so they have haggis and even some places do black pudding as well. Now black pudding is made of blood. Obviously that's not permissible in Islam, but they actually created a like faux black pudding where it's kind of made from different spices rather than, than yeah, blood. Yeah, and yeah, my mum, my mum, she often buys different like kind of halalified breakfast stuff. And it's really easy to access, especially in the bigger cities like Glasgow. I'm not sure about Edinburgh, but Glasgow, that so many different places you can buy it from. It's awesome. I actually had a Scottish fat fried breakfast for Iftar yesterday. Is amazing. Mashallah. Yeah. Mashallah. This sounds sounds great. Like, seriously, like <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask you about the haggis. <laughs> no, we can like, get it, Mashallah. I'd love to have haggis again. Like it's something, as I said, like since childhood, I've only ever had it that time, but I remember how much I liked it. I'll and hook I you up, Inshallah. I thought maybe it's pork because I've never tasted pork. So when I ate it and it was so nice, I was like, oh no, what if this is pork? And then my parents are gonna like tell me off later and I get into trouble. But yeah. like, you know what it used to happen actually, this is something really interesting. When I was a child, because I wasn't, um, as I said, I was never nutty. I noticed like there was a few times that people had given me like food and like, I think maybe twice I had pork by accident mm. and I'd been sick the next day. So like anytime mm. I'd have pork, I'd be sick. So when I had the haggis, I wasn't sick afterwards. So mm. I didn't, so because of that, I didn't think that it was pork, do you know what I mean? But yeah. I said I wasn't like 100% sure. But yeah, I'm doing that. Um, somebody says, somebody's asked, is it Razina says deep fried Mars bar. So do you have that? 
<laughs> yeah, we we deep the Scots deep fry everything. We deep fried chocolate. Wow. We deep fried pizzas. Oh my days! You have to try a pizza crunch. They're amazing. Really? We deep fry wow. everything. Yeah, but it's awesome though. Like it's new discoveries that people just don't understand until they try it. So yeah, <laughs> I, I stand okay. by them. <laughs> Wow, deep yeah. fried pizza. I mean, okay. <laughs> no, it's the lesson. I remember seeing on the, uh, not actually one, the deep fried Mars bar, and I was just thinking, why would anybody do that? Just eat the chocolate. Listen, <laughs> um, I have tried the deep fried Mars bar. The only thing is, is they're incredibly sweet. So if you um, are not really a lover of really, really sweet things, I wouldn't try it. But if you are, yeah, get a buttered Mars bar and stick some ice cream on it, and yeah. Masha, I'm just going to try to read a few comments from Instagram here, because we haven't had so many on Instagram, at least I've not that I've seen. Somebody's asking, Akil, Akil, I can't say the whole rest, but Akil something, Ibrahim says, do you like Iron Brew? Somebody's, as Chloe says, um, I don't know why my comments keep going. Like I can't read all of them; they're disappearing. Do you like Aisha? Aisha, the Scottish block you sent me was really young, yummy. That was from Chloe. Oh yeah, and Chloe, yeah, she's um, an Aussie revert, mashallah. She's amazing. Um, so I sent her like Scottish sweets. I sent her and another sister from Australia one. So I don't know which one she got, but. One of them's okay. called Macaroon Bar, and it's like icing with chocolate and cooked coconut on top. They're amazing, um, but again, really, really sweet. And um, for the other sister, Samantha J. Boyle, I don't know if you know her, I sent her, um, yeah. it's called Scottish Tablet, and it's like, um, uh, with the, the milk, uh, condensed milk, yeah. So it's pretty much condensed oh, right. milk. Okay. And sugar, wow. and then it's kind of hardened, and it just—it's oh, amazing. Wow! <laughs> Again, really, like really, really sweet. Out. No, okay, I'm going so, to hook uh, you up with haggis and a range of Scottish sweets. Don't worry. Inshallah. Inshallah. Um, whispering whis whiskers says Americans love it, but but I'll have a heart attack. Lol. I think they're referring to maybe the the um Mars bars. Mars bars. Yeah. Um. Men needs knowledge. Aki saltfish. Oh, you know what? You said aki and saltfish. Now I'm so hungry. Like seriously, <laughs> this is some Caribbean dish. Yeah. I'm not Jamaican, but my um, you know, like my godmother growing up was Jamaican. So oh my god, it's like just you know what? Like when I think about Jamaican food, like seriously, I'll, yeah. it's like I go into the green world because when nice. I eat that, it's like my favorite aki and salt. I, and I was looking for saltfish the other day in the halal shop, but they didn't even have it. Okay. Um, yeah, so, mashallah. So, um, somebody asked here on Instagram, okay, some Akila said, my diabetic levels are screaming now, <laughs> mashallah. So, somebody asked here on Instagram, remember, N1142, what is your Eid like? So, inshallah, let's talk about Eid as, as reverts. How's your, how do you, how was your first Eid, if you can remember it, how was it? Um, hmm. <laughs> My first Eid, my first Eid actually, um, I didn't celebrate it, if I'm honest. And that's because um, at that time I identified as Muslim, but I didn't know that you had to do the Shahada. I didn't learn 
prayer, yeah, it was very, very fresh. I had tried Ramadan, but someone had told me that when you fast, you can't swallow your saliva. And um, yeah, I know, I know. So as you can imagine, <laughs> as you can imagine. It's amazing what you get told when you're a new Muslim. Yeah. So I only lasted three days fasting of my first ever Ramadan and I was so angry at myself that I never achieved it because I really wanted to that I deprived myself of my first day so I did and I was really very quite harsh in the beginning like uh, to myself I mean uh, I was like kind of like you know you've got to be Muslim now, you have to stop everything, you have to stop smiling and you have to stop enjoying life. Like, I went in really, really hard. Uh, well, I, I'm not to that extreme, but I was very harsh on myself. Like I said, I, I didn't want to celebrate Eid because, you know, I didn't feel like I deserved it. So, yeah, um, I can understand. Yeah, so that, that's... that. <laughs> yeah, no, I have now I have kids, so now, even at last year, me and my kids had a pajama, pajama party because we were in lockdown. So we had nice. like a mini kind of halalified party in the house. We are pajamas and cake and lots of goodies and things. So, um, but otherwise, like my experience is, because I used to live in London, so there's a huge Muslim community. My experience was going and praying Eid prayer in the park, and yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. And then usually I would take the kids out somewhere that they would want to go. So they like the aquarium and things like that, or yeah. uh, when they were younger, I took them to the zoo and stuff. I don't really do that stuff now because they're all like teenagers or preteens. So, um, yeah, no, we just kind of go out and just do something that the kids want to do because I don't celebrate anything else. I don't celebrate birthdays, don't celebrate all the UK kind of, um, you know, events and things like that. So yeah. it is their time to decide what it is we want to do. Now that I'm back in Scotland, I have to rediscover what that is. I'll obviously pray, pray, eat prayer and things like that. So that will stay the same. But things that we'll do, probably take them to the Highlands for a hike and a picnic on a mountain or something. We'd love that. Can't do with that. No, yeah. I think that's a good idea. You know, and mashallah, it's nice, I think, when you're... One of the best things, I think, about being a Reba, once you settle into your Islam a little bit and you become more kind of confident, it's, it's just making your own traditions, basically. Yeah. You know, instead of, like, adopting those from other cultures, you just make your own. Well, so I don't like, really have traditions. We always used to have this, we've got this kind of Ramadan like um, culture of like we like to try to bake new things. So it's, that's mm. the time of year that we really kind of like you know, make baking like a thing. Like, mm. I don't like to overcook generally, but yeah. we, try to, we like to try new recipes and baking is kind of where we like put a lot of focus. So um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. Yeah, I don't have any traditions. Like I'm not. Um, and I'm not criticizing mums who are like this, it's just I have no natural inclination to be that mum that yeah. has, you know, across the board table settings and stuff like that. I'm a very basic and simple person. Like we cook, then you eat, you know, <laughs> you too. eat until your stomach's full and then that's it. Whatever I give you, inshallah, you're grateful for. Sometimes, you know, I cook good, sometimes I don't. <laughs> but I try though, like the effort's there. 
But um, and but mashallah, but my kids are you know really really um, amazing. Actually, I feel sorry for them sometimes with my kitten in particular. But no, they're uh, great. They're, they're, sure, they always. I'm sure they, I'm sure they love you. I'm sure you're an excellent mum and child mother. Oh no, thank you, thank you. But don't ask I don't know, them I then. I think sometimes as being mothers, so we underestimate ourselves a little bit. Like Maybe. I say the same thing to my kids, I feel like you guys think I'm crazy. Yeah, don't you? No. Like, I can see you think that I'm like, yeah, but I've been there. Yeah. It's, I feel the same as well because like they, you know, as you, as you mentioned, they don't complain. Like, and you can tell like when your children are satisfied when they're happy. And I think that's part of being a Muslim as well. Like yeah. not trying to like bring them up spoiled and letting them have this kind of awareness that things should be appreciated as well not and they shouldn't just expect that they're going to get like everything that you know yeah. they desire basically because yeah. i think this is really important sometimes as parents we can work so hard just to give our children a life that is so comfortable but it kind of affects them in a negative way because yeah. they feel like when they go up and grow up and go out into the world they feel that anything that they want they should just get it but ま、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で
our culture is a very friendly and approachable culture. Like we're known for being yeah. travelers, we're known for being hospitable, like we're we're known we, we have this embedded into our culture as well. Like our like ancient laws, like if someone came to your house and asked for the toilet, you weren't allowed to refuse them and things like so we have a lot of kind of um let's say Sharia almost embedded into our, you know ancient culture at least um, so i think naturally people are open and willing to hear but not always agreeing and i think that's fine you know our duty as muslim is to convey the message exactly. you know so yeah. that so yeah no alhamdulillah it's, it's it's getting there it's getting there yeah definitely i agree i, I think um, even living in newcastle being in the north um you know i'm from london I grew up there, so when I came to Newcastle as a new Muslim, it was like, um, I, I personally, I love Newcastle from the day I came here to finish with and I just came to, like, I wanted to go to university, I remember getting off the train, having a massive portfolio in my hands, and I was like, yeah, I'm a new Muslim, I've come to this space, I'm coming from my, like, interior uni and stuff, and I just thought it was just beautiful, I loved mm. the city, how it was, I just thought it was nice, it was small, I loved everything about it, I'm being there, so, um, and I had really positive experiences from day one. Like, um, even I didn't, even though I didn't see many black people in the town or many Muslims, I still felt very relaxed. I felt very comfortable. People were friendly with me. I didn't have any bad experiences at all. And um, since then, I mean, I've been living in Newcastle for like I think nineteen years or so now. Alhamdulillah. So, like, literally almost all of my life as a revert, pretty much, I've been here because I was only Muslim for uh, like maybe six months before I actually moved to Newcastle. Wow. But um, since then, anytime I meet somebody and they, they like, for example, they live in Scotland or they've moved to Scotland, I'm out to them, Scotland? Oh, it's amazing. Mm. People are so nice. They're so mm. friendly. And I only hear, mashallah, good experiences, like good, you know, yeah, good reviews about Scotland and the people and the character and how it is. And I have to learn, like, you know, the times I've been here, there, I've had the same experience, you know, so it's, it's, it's nice. Yeah. I think sometimes we have negative um, you know, kind of images in our head or negative ideas from other people. But it's better, like, even from the son of Prophet Muhammad he didn't mm -hmm. like to hear bad things about people. He just, he, he preferred to meet the people himself yeah. and make his own judgments. Because yeah. sometimes when you, when you get told something, you believe negative things. And then when you go, then you do have a negative experience because it's partly because of how you're already thinking yourself. So mm -hmm. it's, the key thing is to think positively yeah. And inshallah, you you know, you just expect the best and you do the best for yourself as well and you display good behaviour and okay. inshallah you have good experience. Inshallah. There's um sorry, I'm just gonna catch up with a couple of comments. Somebody okay, the back here. Miriam O, that's good to teach contentment and acceptance, but not to live uncomfortably. For example, as a young adult, I don't shop close for myself as I feel I might deserve it. Mashallah, she's being modest, minimalist. Mm. Makit says, um, I really appreciate Sister Aisha's openness to make videos about raising kids on the spectrum and raising overall awareness. May Allah reward her and make Israel. I mean, mm. I didn't know. So you're doing videos about that as well? I didn't know about that. Makit um, also says, I have family with mental disabilities myself, so I can relate. Mashallah. Yeah, it's from my so youngest. Ahmed, Ahmed Al-Otaibi says, Mashallah, Sister Asha, keep them in the heart as Western women has tremendous encouragement and uplifting for our women. Mm -hmm. In our part of the world where liberalism 
hitting us really hard. Yeah, is subhanAllah. So yeah, tell us a little bit about the um spectrum. So I have a son. I'm ignorant. I don't know much about these things. I'm interested, but yeah. No, I have a son who's uh, has autistic spectrum disorder. Um, so he's my youngest son, um, and it has been, you know, a really interesting journey. Um, and I have a friend, a real close friend, who is a foster carer. She has four kids of her own, but she's also a foster carer, and um, one of her foster sons is blind, and the other one has spina bifida and has a, he's on the spectrum as well. So we did a video kind of talking about our experiences in the Muslim community as mothers of kids with learning disabilities or disabilities. And it's been interesting. <laughs> so we, hit, we, we made a couple of interesting points and I think that is just kind of the stigma that's still kind of hovering, not just within the Muslim community, it's definitely in all communities, uh, one way or another, that I do like to believe everything is getting kind of better. But um, we've had a few questionable experiences. So I made a video about that on my YouTube channel and yeah, it got a lot of great feedback and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Uh, when it comes to my son, it's just, he's amazing like but he's he's my heart so he is but he's um taught me a lot he taught me a lot about myself and um i'm really really grateful to be able to say that i am a mum for um an autistic child you know just a quick question about that because i've noticed like you probably you must know about this more than me but like i've noticed when um people talk about like children who have like autism it seems to mostly be boys that have that are affected by autism more than god is that mm. is that true am i, I right don't to, think like, it's true at all like, I, I very rarely come across people who have daughters that have autism i don't think I've, i know anybody this is that, actually that has an autistic daughter. this is actually an interesting um kind of question that you're asking because i think the the difference is is that um autism and boys at least in the early days, was uh, very easily seen than it was to girls because they don't really, they have similarities, of course, but how they kind of portray their, their you know, their different behavioural issues is a little bit different. So um, I think now more girls are being diagnosed, but I think back in the day, the issue was not enough girls were being diagnosed because they weren't really right. fitting the kind of like, criteria that most people yeah. were getting diagnosed with. And then anyone who knows anyone who has autism that is a spectrum, like mm -hmm. my son, I wouldn't say he's the kind of traditional um, kind of known version of what it means to be autistic, but you can see when you meet him and get to know him that he, he does have a learning disability. So. Um, I think that's just kind of a part of it, but I think now more and more um, girls are being diagnosed. Makeet Khan says, symptoms are harder to lean with girls on the spectrum. Many get undiagnosed or misdiagnosed, sadly. 
Yeah. I know that. Um, so, okay, Smith says, what do you guys think about the France ban on the hijab? I'll let you, I'll let you answer that. <sighs> Damn you, too. Oh, gosh, it's so, um, it's, 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 I don't even know what to start with. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Is it not just kind of ridiculous? Like the whole thing with France, um, and I think it has deep roots, to be honest with you. And also, um, um, uh, my husband's Algerian, so um, anyone who knows the oh, history. Well, that's, that's, that's another thing, like, subhanAllah. Like, Anybody who knows the history. Yeah. You know, like, I watched this um, a talk about feminism, actually, discussion about feminism by... Um, it was with Ustada Fatima Barakatula just recently. Yeah. Um, she uploaded it a few days ago on her YouTube, actually. But and, and do you know what? It was a good three and a half something hours. But lucky, when I started listening to it, I was so engrossed. I couldn't stop. Like, I just I had to just listen to the whole thing. SubhanAllah, one of the sisters that came with there, she's an Ustada um, Ustad Amina. I think she, she lives in America, but... She made a point which I thought was really quite profound. And she was saying, like, in relation to this hijab ban in France that they've got now, she mentioned how, like, as the French colonial, colonialists, when they used to go to Muslim countries and they saw Muslim women covering, they hated the fact that the women were covered because they had in their minds that these are our slaves. Yeah. So what right do they have to cover themselves? Yeah. So this is the kind of the mentality that they had. They wanted the women to like stop wearing clothes and they would give like incentives to, you know, the men of like, you know, give them positions and things like that. If they if they would, if they could get their, you know, wives or women folks to stop wearing the hijab. So in reality, like they're doing the same thing now and they don't want us to, um, they don't want us to practice Islam, basically. That's what it is because, you know, and, and it's yeah. funny that they're kind of trying to use the kind of um, liberation elements as, um, you know, their kind of excuse, like they're trying to free us. But yeah. you didn't ask us, okay? You well, I mean, given, you we all kind know. of surveys we to all find know. out oh, what, how are Muslim women in France doing? You know, what do Muslim women feel? You're not asking us any questions, yeah. but you're just coming and putting these thoughts. And it's just yeah. like, do you really care what we think? No, actually. I think, you know, the French government, like, Islamophobia is very evident. They're not even trying to hide it. Um, they, like you said, I do think that there is a trigger <laughs> that is much deeper than is being portrayed. You know, obviously, it is, like you said, being portrayed as freedom and secularism and, and all the rest of it, liberalism and whatever. But it's, it's, very much Islamophobia, let's not dress it off. They they have a real issue with Islam and Muslims. And like you said, I do think there is a, an issue with them not having that access or us having our own kind of control of who we are in our bodies. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think the niqab ban was ridiculous. And, you know, one beautiful thing about um, the horrible, horrible circumstances that we're in just now with the pandemic is that it has exposed many countries, not just France, France, sorry, many European countries who have banned the niqab are all countries right now that where it's mandatory that they wear face masks. So it's 
absolutely ridiculous this whole we need to ban the calves because we need better security or we need our women to yeah, have you it's funny like what annoys me as well like i'll just say this quickly there was actually one of your posts recently that you on instagram and somebody i'm assuming he was a brother but he made this stupid comment saying that oh yeah um take off your face um so you don't need to like cover up to it mm. like that you know just mm. be like, you know, just wear modest clothes, but it's just like, well, well what, what is, is modest clothes? Yeah, what is Number that? Number one, that's subjective, depending yeah. on who's wearing it. And do you speak for every man? And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, there's women who are wearing the carp and still getting raped. Yeah. So it, it's not it's not about even what they're wearing. So you can't speak for every man and what he does. Do you know what I mean? So well, it's just saying that you like, don't speak for anyone. You speak for yourself and that's it, you know? And you can think whatever it is you want, but you have no right for one tell me what to do because i mean exactly. where are you and you for know. me if, if a man if a man wants to really respect a woman and that's and you believe you should respect women then respect women regardless of what they're wearing mm -hmm. it's not mm -hmm. your business yeah you know what i mean whether yeah. she's wearing clothes or whether she's wearing a car whether she's not you just respect i'm pretty sure it was Muslim as well and i think this is yeah. kind of the thing i'm sure you've had Similar experiences, but niqabis are also sometimes made to feel uncomfortable within the Muslim community as well, yeah. and it is really frustrating. Even being online, I don't know if you have similar experiences, but yeah. you know we are just not palatable sometimes as niqabis. Yeah. You know, like even though I'm wearing uh, purple lilacs, um, you know I'm still classed as an extremist, and I'm not saying I'm wearing that because. You know, I'm trying to be palatable, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's just kind of frustrating. How about you just kind of look at my content? Is it beneficial? Do you think it will be beneficial to others than watch it and exactly. share it? If not, then cool, you know, but uh, I'm only here for to try and convey the message or try and do my part as a Muslim. You know, other than that, I'm I'm really good, that. you know. I'm really that. You know, I don't know what show is next, um, but it is six o'clock now so i think there will be another show that's supposed to start so i don't want to hold the whole thing but i know we could easily oh yeah very easily be talking for like another hour at least and i definitely inshallah in the future my sister me and you inshallah we'll do some more oh yeah together. no definitely inshallah, yeah. definitely inshallah. Just so support and i want to say jazakallah for you for coming on today and uh, for giving us your time it's been really pleasurable talking to you and i and i apologize to all the um listeners who i didn't get to read out your comments but inshallah they're all um i think they've been put up on the screen a lot of them but i couldn't read all of them but um mm -hmm. thank you so much for commenting and interacting with us i really appreciate it mm -hmm. okay so inshallah stay tuned for nirabi diaries next week and we also have other shows on newcastle past event throughout the month of Ramadan every day. So inshallah, don't forget to tune into those. Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdika. Nashhadu an la ilal anta nastafruka wa atubik wa natubi alaykum. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.